You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of The Look Ahead here on the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys. What is going on, RJ? Oh, nothing, Stats. The Philadelphia Eagles want to interview Kellen Moore for their head coach position. They can back the F away. Uh, other than that, my day, my, my week's gone really great. It's good to be here with you. Ooh, hands off, Eagles. That's a touchy subject for you. I love Kellen Moore. He obviously had a lot of success as a college football player, obviously has risen to the ranks quickly in the NFL, and uh, he signed a three-year deal with the Cowboys. I don't want that to be just torn up like a couple of weeks later. Well, there's a lot of coaching news today, not just that, but the biggest story coming out of the coaching carousel is that it looks like the Jaguars and Urban Meyer are going to link up here. It looks like Adam Schefter reported early in the day today that they were in advanced talks, whatever that means. Uh, Tom Pelissero says that the Jags are working towards finalizing a deal with Meyer. And Michael Lombardi says that they are in agreement and that there'll be a press conference later today. So all indications are that Urban Meyer is landing with the Jags. I, 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 the Jaguars kind of, I don't want to say hit the lottery, but it is so rare that you land the number one overall pick at the same time as having an enormous amount of cap space, at the same time as needing a new head coach and a new general manager. And some of those things are obviously the decision of the organization. Um, but I I just, I mean, you. this is such an important thing. And I, I can't imagine trusting it to Urban Meyer. He's obviously a very successful head coach, but but there's a lot to to feel untrustworthy about. We have no idea how he will be on the NFL level. And we've seen some guys come in from college and really struggle. I mean, even Nick Saban struggled in the NFL early on. And we've seen some guys come in and be awesome. Jim Harbaugh was 11-5 and his first season. The Niners went to the Super Bowl in 2011, and that was a lockout year. So it could go either way. I think it's fascinating, though. When is the last time the Jaguars made like a splashy, sexy coaching hire? Good job by them. See, I don't know that I think it's a good job. Like, you know, I, I, to me, it kind of feels like, do you remember when Tim Tebow, like Tib- Tebow mania was happening and people would say the Jaguars need to, you know, sign Tim Tebow, just, you know, sell tickets, stop having their, their games blacked out and things like that. This, this just kind of, I don't, I'm not at all intimating this is simply for relevancy, but I, like if, if the look ahead ran the Jaguars, I feel like we would very quickly say, man, the potential there is certainly interesting, but we don't know how great he'll be at the collegiate level. I know you said, I think on last week's episode of the Oddcast, when all this first started to kind of fly out when the regular season was ending, um, Urban has had what he has deemed health issues in the past at Florida and Ohio State. Like it, this is the type of gig that you know, you don't get a Sean McVay all the time as evidenced by all these teams trying to do that year in and year out. But you are looking for that. You are looking right now. It's, you know, the, we're the parents and we're having the talk. It's like, it's time to settle down, time to get engaged, time to buy a house. You know what I mean? Like, and this isn't that. And, and I, or at least it, there's a very large potential that this isn't that. That's true. This is not like, you're not expecting Urban Meyer to be there for the next 10 years. But if you're the Jags, Look, if I'm a Jags fan right now, I have more hope than I've had in a long time. I know they had that one year where they went to the AFC title game, but that was kind of like, holy crap, we can't believe the Jags are doing this. Now you're bringing in Urban Meyer. You're potentially going to have Trevor Lawrence at the number one pick. You've got cap room. Like There is momentum there in Jacksonville, which I really like. And let me throw this question out to you. You know, I just said they have Trevor Lawrence. Is it at all possible that Urban Meyer gets the job there and says, you know what? I want my guy. 
I want Justin Fields. Let me take him with the first overall pick. He already knows the system, basically, that I want to run, and we hit the ground running with this thing. Is that at all possible, or you think Urban just says, no, screw it, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence? I think it's all possible at this point, honestly. And to that point, Urban is not far removed from Ohio State. Obviously, he was there in 2018. They won the Rose Bowl. Um, so a lot of players, obviously, in the NFL that played for him. Um, I think that that's certainly possible. I think, you know, who uh, I, I would imagine is a strong as maybe a heavy word, but a legitimate candidate to, at the very least, be a project quarterback for the Jaguars, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you know, like that connection is is very obvious. You could, you could get crazy with this if you really wanted to. I mean, um, I, I don't think the Cowboys would trade Ezekiel Elliott, but that's a, a big urban guy, right? Like, I, I do think that we'll see him go get a very big and a very prominent Urban Meyer guy. And because of how great Ohio State is, there are a lot in the NFL. That would be even if you're the if you're the Jags and you say to the Jets, hey, look, you want Trevor Lawrence? What are you going to give us? We'll move down one spot. And, you know, maybe they get a couple of things and and maybe the Jets end up with Trevor Lawrence anyway. The Jags get their quarterback plus whatever the Jets give them to move down. It is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. But like we said, it looks like as of today, Urban Meyer is heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We remind you to please rate, review and subscribe to the SP Nation NFL show. How about this one from Spangs0929? This is disturbing, RJ. I'll do whatever Michael Kiss tells me to do. Like, what is the hold that he has over people? See, we have to do some of the things that Michael Kiss tells us to do, right? Like, even (laughs) if we protest, um, I can't imagine, like, literally subscribing to that ideology in life. But, hey, I mean, uh, we appreciate the rating. We appreciate the review. Um, I know that a lot of BGN loyalists have uh, have joined us here on the SB Nation NFL show. And I just want to say, as the resident Dallas Cowboys expert around these parts, tough week. Sorry. Hate to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, look, the Eagles have been in the news for all sorts of reasons. Not not very many of them good right now. Not a lot of confidence in the city of brotherly love. But But you're right. We appreciate the review. Thank you. Please keep them coming. You alluded to it earlier, RJ. We're going to do the show a little differently this week. You know, as the games sort of wind down, we have to change up our format a little bit. We want to keep you interested. So we thought up a bunch of questions, overarching questions for the weekend as a whole. And we think in answering those questions, we will get to every game. Plus, we're also going to make our picks every week. I know you want my picks because I did something that almost nobody on the face of the earth can do last week. I got every single one of my picks wrong. And uh, because RJ was nice and let me change the pick once we found out that Alex Smith wasn't starting and I still lost anyway. So I have done something that few people on this planet can say they've done. It's important to note stats just for the record. I mean, that we're we're both men of honor here. Fantastic movie, by the way, with Cooper Gooding Jr. Um, but we need to just make sure it's clear. Since I've joined the look ahead, my record, 48 and 37. Pretty respectable. Your record, 39 and 46. And again, just for the math of the situation, even if you and I were to disagree on every pick now through the Super Bowl, we could even add the Pro Bowl into that mix, the Madden Pro Bowl. If we disagreed on all of those and you got all of them right, I would still finish the season as the look-ahead picks champion. Just Easy there, Master Chief <laughs> Billy Sunday. All right, calm down. Watch the streak. See, I as I tweeted to you, I now have the perfect weapon to destroy you because I can pick the loser. We've established that. So all I need to do is just do the opposite of whatever I think will happen, and I'm on my way to victory. You um, you are very Dwight Schrute in this capacity, uh, stats, and, and for that, I, I'm certainly jealous. Um, but if I'm the Jim Halpert to your Dwight Schrute, I suppose that that makes this whole thing very feng shui. I'm just going to point out that Dwight ends up manager of the company in the end. That's true. And actually, Jim is like a huge Philadelphia fan. So I'm really sorry that I dug myself into this hole. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. See that? You you leapt before you looked. <laughs> That's true. But I looked ahead like we do every week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to just move right past that. So we've come up with some questions. We put our heads together. We got some interesting questions for you. And let's just go ahead and dive right in, RJ, because there's a lot to get to. And as always, it begins and ends with the quarterback. So we start there. Which quarterback has the most to gain with a win this weekend? So I thought about this, and I think that the the answer that people will jump to 
is Josh Allen, right? Because he's on this like MVP path. He's not going to win MVP, but it would it would kind of accentuate that. The answer, and I want to give my friend Rob Stats Guerrera a lot of credit for hyping up and gassing up Baker Mayfield on the Oddcast earlier this week. I don't think that Baker is getting enough credit because, like, th- remember the the Browns jersey meme thing? You know what I'm saying with all the quarterbacks? He did mm-hmm. it. Like he he really did it. He Took the Browns to the playoffs, won a playoff game. I know it wasn't a single-handed, you know, accomplishment, but he did it. Like, when they took him number one overall, everybody roasted them because they were supposed to take Sam Darnold and everything like that, and he proved them right. And I think that Baker Mayfield has already gained the most of the quarterbacks that are left. Some obviously had not much to gain, like your Tom Brady's. But so Baker Mayfield's that guy. I mean, again... If you go into Arrowhead and you beat Patrick Mahomes and there's the the Texas Tech OU narrative, you know, that amazing game they played, Baker Mayfield is the answer. Well, I think that Baker does deserve a ton of credit because, by the way, he did all that with basically no practice during the week right. and no head coach during the game. Like, that is not a small thing. But the great quarterbacks overcome that. And so it was nice to see from him that he was able to actually do it. And I agree. Everything is great with Cleveland. He ended the streak. That's awesome. But that's all done now. If he loses this week, none of that changes. So I don't know if I can go with Baker because the guy that I have to go with plays in the same division, and that would be Lamar Jackson. Because, and I, I know he won last week, but there's still this stigma with Lamar that for some reason he's not as good in the playoffs He's, you know, he's the running quarterback. His stuff doesn't work in the playoffs when it, when legacies are built. And if he loses this week, especially if he doesn't have a good game through the air, I think that that's a peep that's still going to follow him, that he's a running guy. He can't get it done from the pocket. There's still going to be that playoff stigma. If he wins another game and now all of a sudden he's playing for the AFC championship, I feel like that wouldn't be the case. I do think a little kind of baked in bold prediction here is whoever wins this game between the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens, that quarterback will be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history when next season begins. They're going to get a bigger contract than the the loser of this game. I know Lamar obviously has the MVP already on his mantle. Um, and I think that that's another like a sub baked in bold prediction that there will, there will be an article it's somewhere online in the next month that says the 2018 NFL draft class is the new 2004 NFL draft class. Um, and I think that that is important. They they all obviously won playoff games last week. And so the quarterback market's going to rise significantly. And I know your team's looking for a quarterback. So that's certainly a big point in that regard. Um, would you say then that Lamar has the most to lose? Is, is he the quarterback with the most to lose this weekend? Ooh. Uh, no, because if he loses, it becomes like, I think the, the pendulum swing is really dramatic and it might be more dramatic for anybody else, especially like you said, if it is this not great passing game for him, I know that the weather is now like a thing, right? I mean, like that's never been like a thing for anybody else except for Peyton Manning. And now it's a thing for Lamar Jackson, but if if he does not throw the ball well, it will be, look at that, Josh Allen went, you know, that's why Josh Allen went before Lamar Jackson. You can't, It's a gimmick. You can't win running as a quarterback. You got to develop as a passer, blah, blah. Um, I don't know that he's my answer with most to lose, but I think he's certainly a candidate. Well, hold on. First of all, you said that you think the winner of this, of the Ravens-Bills game is going to be the highest paid quarterback ever because they got to top the Mahomes deal. Okay, well, let's let's acknowledge that that is an outlier in all normal conversations, right? Okay. Like fo- following the the general trend that quarterback contracts have followed, they will be the highest, with Mahomes as an obvious exception. Okay, uh, I actually think that the quarterback with the most to lose is Aaron Rodgers. I agree, and the reason I say that is because he is. It, this is a legacy year for him. That's all he has left at this point. We all know he's great. But he has one Super Bowl appearance and one Super Bowl ring. And if he's, you know, he thinks that he belongs in the upper echelon of quarterbacks of all time. He's even talked about how he should have more MVP awards. Well, there's only 12 quarterbacks all time that have more than one ring. And he ain't one of them right now. And you know who else has more than more Super Bowl appearances than him? Brett Favre. And I think that bothers the hell out of him. He's trying to break down the door in the conversation of the best quarterback of all time. 
and he doesn't sniff it right now if he has only got one Super Bowl appearance and one ring. So for him to lose this year at his age, I feel like he has the most to lose of any quarterback. I think that's extremely well diagnosed. We should start calling you Dr. Stats. Um, In fact, I'm going to make a petition for that. I also think that amazingly, the Jordan Love factor has not been won all year long. If they lose and if he has an off day, fans are so petty. People will forget the remarkable MVP caliber season he put up. I also think if he loses, he loses the opportunity to win the NFC Championship game, which is an obvious data point. However, what I mean by that is the NFC title game, if you're Aaron Rodgers, is going to be against Drew Brees or Tom Brady. And, I mean, if you're talking – if Aaron Rodgers is collecting Infinity Stones right now, that that's an amazing one to have. I mean, his NFC Championship win – was, I mean, again, you win the NFC Championship, it's impressive no matter what, but it was a little hollow. Like, Jay Cutler started that game for the Chicago Bears, and there was all the talk about how President Obama wasn't going to go watch the Bears in the Super Bowl after all. Um, That feels like a world ago, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But, so, yeah, like, I think it... He needs, we need that, like, gauntlet game for Aaron Rodgers, and the NFC title game this year would be that. If he is gathering the stones, I think beating Breeze or Brady would be the time stone, right? That would be the only reason, the only explanation for those two guys playing as well as they have at their age. See, I disagree because I think if we, a lot of people assume, obviously, the Chiefs are going to win the AFC. I think beating Mahomes is the time stone because he he sort of effectively like rewinds the clock of perception on his career because he <laughs> he, he revitalizes the the idea like he's he's still, he's not going anywhere because he beat the young hotshot Patrick Mahomes where we are devolving into a conversation that I would love to have, but I don't think that's what most people listening to this podcast are tuning in for. But yeah, the Rogers thing, like it's fascinating to me because I feel like there aren't that many guys that openly admit like one, they're concerned about their legacy and two, they think they kind of got shafted by people. So I'm interested to see where, where he goes, because I think if he loses this game, I see a scenario where he says, I I can't get it done here. I got to go somewhere else. And he knows the 49ers need a quarterback. I guarantee you he knows that. And he already knows the system because Matt LaFleur comes from the Kyle Shanahan system. So I think if he loses, it's entirely possible he tries to get out of town. My last point on Aaron Rodgers, this is super unfair. And I want to say I've enjoyed how open and rather blunt Aaron has been basically all season long. Um, And I've enjoyed like his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show. But the moment the Packers lose, if we assume that they do not win the Super Bowl this year, that is when the conversation from the talking heads starts. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have been on the Pat McAfee show every week. You should have been practicing. You know, you, you shouldn't have been out here saying you deserve more MVPs. Like, and, and when you're a badass, you can say the things that Aaron Rodgers is saying, but you have to cash in or else you set yourself up for failure. It's an unfortunate reality of professional sports. The great thing about Rodgers is like, I like that he kind of addresses that stuff openly. He's kind of like Baker in that way. Right. Like he just confronts it head on. I'm like, remember when there was the lockout in 2011 and they didn't really have a lot of like, he didn't organize any workouts or anything for the Packers and people were criticizing him for it. And then they went out and they dropped like 40 points in week one. After the game, I remember Rodgers being like, oh, man, if only we practiced before the season started. Like, he hears it all, he remembers it all, and he ain't afraid to talk about it. He's the coolest dude, which is so annoying as a Dallas Cowboys fan. And I've said this before, but they are destined to win the Super Bowl because the cherry on top of the Mike McCarthy mess in Dallas would be the Green Bay Packers winning a Super Bowl without him to corroborate that it was a good decision to move on from him. So whatever. Yeah, and to corroborate the idea that he was – basically along for the ride in Green Bay for all those years. Well, speaking of head coaches, let's move on to our second question, RJ. Blank is the head coach with the most to gain with a win this weekend. Mm. So I've said, uh, I just said that the Packers are winning the Super Bowl, I think, but the team I want to win the Super Bowl the most stats, and I know BLG's out here on the feed like, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Nah, 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 BLG. You deal with your own stuff. You're a fan of everybody. The Bills are my squad. I love the Bills. I love everything about them. I love their culture, and I'm so pumped to see them. I do believe they're going to win this game. 
Sean McDermott is the guy. I don't think Sean McDermott gets enough credit either. I, I think that we forget that Sean McDermott, um, I know I talked about on the Daily Show this week how he grew up under Andy Reid. He also grew up under Jim Johnson. Like Jim Johnson gets a little lost in NFL history as of late. And I think that that's a big reason for Sean McDermott's excellence. That was a big reason why the Panthers went to the Super Bowl themselves. Again, not enough credit in that capacity. And I also remember stats when they hired him, I thought it was weird at the time. They welcomed him into the building, like the entire Bills like organization, with like a, a standing ovation. You know, like 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 and it was it was kind of moving um watching him walk in and there were people like up on the balcony level, like clapping for him and stuff. And that like this is the realization of that. And that's like he he's carrying I know that, you know, the Browns certainly have never even been to a Super Bowl. But for whatever reason, the Bills angle is a little bit different. And they, unlike the Browns, they've been knocking on the door when they lost to the Jaguars in the playoffs and, and the ride that they got, you know, to get in. I mean, they, they've been scratching and clawing. And I think that Sean McDermott breaking through is his breakthrough as one of the top coaches in the game. I think he's already one of the top coaches in the game, but I agree with you. He has not gotten that gotten that recognition that he deserves. And if he won this week, he would start to get some of that recognition. He's been the coach of the Bills for four years, and he's gone to the playoffs in three of them. Nobody does that with the Bills unless they're Marv Levy. Like, it's an incredible thing that he has accomplished, and he does not get enough love for it. I totally agree. I think he's one of the smartest, best coaches left in the playoffs. I'm a little tired of everybody on this friggin' network suddenly adopting the Bills. If you don't get two teams, that's it. You get one team. And when your team doesn't make it, that's it. You can't just pick another team for the playoffs. Um, Look, you can. And I I maintain, I brought this point up to you before and you poo-pooed it. But when you're a team whose team has – if your team has won Super Bowls, you have like a soft spot in your heart for the team that you beat. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels safe to, to like in certain instances root for that team. The Cowboys beat the Bills in back to back Super Bowls. And I know you don't feel that way about the Bengals or the Broncos or, you know, the Chargers. But I think that that's, if there's an exception, it's that. And so again, the, the Bills are fun. Enjoy fun stats. I love fun. I love the Bills, but I'm not, they're not like my team that I've adopted for the playoffs. You, BLG, Kiss, it's like a sickness going through this place. <laughs> The wagons have been circled. What can I say? And by the way, Sean McDermott is not the coach with the most to gain with a win this week. I think it's John Harbaugh. I'm going back to Baltimore. John Harbaugh really – do you realize before last week, John Harbaugh hadn't won a playoff game since 2014? Like, people don't realize that. He's gone through quite a little dry spell. I think he needed it. They only have two playoff wins since winning the Super Bowl, and that's including last week. Like John Harbaugh needs a couple of win, a couple notches in the win column here, and it'd be great for him to advance and move on and and kind of remind the rest of the AFC, like, hey, I'm not Belichick, but I'm still really freaking good, and I'm proving it. I think that another AFC title game appearance for John Harbaugh, and this is ironic given that he coaches the Ravens, kind of makes him the the Ben Roethlisberger of of AFC coaches. You know, he's he's not Peyton Manning, he's not Tom Brady. Uh, but he's the next level of elite. He's not Bill Belichick. He's not what Andy Reid has been in Kansas City, which is amazing given that he's been there so long. Um, but I mean, he's he's been there a lot. I mean, you know, he. I don't know. It's and I do think that. Uh, do you think Lamar or Bill or, or or John Harbaugh has more to gain? To gain, Lamar does right because I, Harbaugh's already got his ring. Right. So he's at least has that. Lamar doesn't have really any playoff success to speak of. So he benefits more just because he has less on the resume. I'm going to ask you another spawned question stats. What head coach would be most um, most inflated by helium with a win? So like not not, re- you know, not a real level of justified inflation, but but the national media, which I guess is us. Uh, we've gone corporate, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, like people would elevate this and and sort of, you know, remark about it as this like grand accomplishment when it really isn't that big of a thing. I have my answer, and I think longtime SB Nation NFL show listeners will know it, but I'm curious what yours is. I know your answer. <laughs> it's Bruce Arians, right? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Go it's off. My answer too, believe it Go or off, not. Go off, King. I think that as the season has gone on, 
that the Buccaneers have run more of the Patriots Brady stuff and less of the Bruce Arians stuff. And that's why their offense has looked better. Uh, I think Bruce Arians is like the, I don't know how to say this. I don't think Bruce Arians is coming in early and staying late. Let's just say that. He's not burning the candle at both ends. I think at this point in his career, he's delegating a lot to Byron Leftwich and other coaches. He has that whole thing about if you miss one of your kids' recitals, he's going to fine you or some crazy thing like that. I don't think that, that Bruce Arians is the driving force behind Tampa Bay's success. So I think a win by him would be like the false positive kind of a thing. Um, I don't think we ever discussed this. Who's your NBA team of choice? Stats? I am a Sonics and now Thunder fan. Okay. So, well, interesting day for, you know, James Harden, you know, former Thunder player, certainly. Um, But you know who Bruce Arians is? He is Chuck Daly. That's who Bruce (laughs) Arians is with the dream team. Like, I, I don't. I would not consider this like an incredible achievement in coaching. You know, like and people would be like, wow, the Bucks are in the NFC title game. Yeah, no crap. They're in the NFC title game. They have Tom Brady and they already had Mike Evans and they brought in Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and, and Domikong Sioux State. I mean, like, of course they're in the NFC title game. It would be the least, you know, shocking thing of all time, given the way people hype them up all offseason long. So, yeah, he's Chuck Daly to me. By the way, the most amazing Chuck Daly nugget from that dream team is he never called a timeout that entire Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's some similarities also like in in how cavalier, you know, he was in Barcelona, you know, like the stories have been told like that because because that team kind of ran itself like all the Buccaneers are stats are a Tesla. And Bruce Arians is just sitting back, chilling and reading a book. And, you know, good for him. I mean, he's gotten to that position in life and I respect the hell out of it. But I don't think it's a I I think he has accomplished from a what the coach has done to get the team to the divisional round perspective. He's accomplished the least of the other seven involved. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I know I defended him against your criticisms earlier in the year, but when you look at the other coaches in the league, if you ask me which guy do I think is working the least, I think it's Bruce Arians. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a good question by you. I like that. A little spur of the moment. Very hey, nice. That's how I roll. All right, let's take a break. We've still got a bunch more questions. And the one I want to ask you right away, because I, to me, there's only one answer, and it seems pretty obvious. The best one-on-one matchup on the weekend. So we'll answer that and a bunch more when we come back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show here. This is The Look Ahead. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero with RJ Ochoa. We are going through our divisional round playoff questions. We're going to do a couple more before we get to the sort of lightning picks round where I embarrass myself yet again. Um, but I asked you before the break, RJ, what is the best one-on-one matchup of the weekend? I have mine. I think it's pretty obvious. But if you can come up with another one, I'd be stunned. I'm pretty certain what yours is stats, um, but for the purpose of just saying it, I think it's Andy Reid against the spread. I am fascinated. <laughs> I, I really am fascinated to see. I I think the Packers are winning the Super Bowl, which would suck. But if the Chiefs go out and just cover, I mean, just blow the doors off of the Browns. And I think that the Chiefs lucked out that the Browns won because if not, they would have drawn the Ravens, and that certainly would have been really interesting. Um, but but I, I, if, if they go out and just dominate like they should, I will maybe be convinced that they can repeat because it is in- incredibly difficult to do so. Um, I saw stats. Our pal Pete Sweeney tweeted um, a, a note on Wednesday. Uh, Pete does a great job covering uh, the Chiefs and does a great job on Monday Football Monday that Patrick Mahomes, check this out, stats, um, had a full page of notes on every potential team that he would be facing over the weekend. So Patrick Mahomes is watching the games and taking notes, and this is apparently shocking to, <laughs> to, to people. I mean, good for Patrick Mahomes for doing his job. I, I don't want to hate, but, I mean, like the Chiefs thing has – I don't – I want to be very careful with this. Chiefs fans have 
experienced hubris faster than a lot of other fan bases. Um, And so I will be very fascinated to see if they can go out and just stomp the Browns like they're supposed to. But the answer is Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey. That is the answer. But yeah, I agree with you. Congratulations. Patrick Mahomes is doing his job. Like we don't need to invent more reasons why he's good. Like he's amazing. He's incredible. He's physically one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. By all reports, he's a great teammate. He's a very hard worker, but like we don't need to invent stuff. I bet you every other quarterback that's had a first round bye has also studied potential opponents during the bye week. Like that is not a big deal. I may be a little biased against Mahomes since he beat my team in the Super Bowl last year, but I digress. It it is he is super like like that's the thing. Like there's nothing about him that is unlikable. Uh, but like that's a great way to put it. We do not have to go out of our way to be like you know. I think that when when Dak Prescott was a rookie, there was a, a moment where he threw like a paper cup over his shoulder and he missed the trash can and he like kind of turned around and, and shrugged and, you know, then he went and picked it up and, and it was it was really cool and respect to Dak, but people blew it up like this says everything about Dak Prescott's personality <laughs> and, and maybe it does, but like we don't have to stretch everything out like that. There is one unlikable thing about Patrick Mahomes. He puts ketchup on steak, which is, of course ridiculous sure but getting back to our original question the best one-on-one matchup of the weekend as you said it is Jalen Ramsey it is Devontae Adams like I'm so looking forward to that I wish that they would literally just have a camera on them like a separate feed that I could watch when the Packers were on offense because I think that's going to be just the most interesting part of the game because if he takes Adams away where's Aaron Rodgers going Robert Tunyon I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the guy drops as many balls as he catches. Like, that is going to be a huge part of that game and whether the Rams are successful. Much like you've done all episode long stats, you've inspired a question from me. Um, Quarterbacks aside, what is the we made this move for this reason player slash whatever you want to call it this weekend? And and to kind of, you know, help you out here, Jalen Ramsey fits that mold. We traded for Jalen Ramsey for this reason, because we knew he would face receivers like Devontae Adams in playoff games. I, I think while I allow you the time to properly think, because for everyone at home, I did not prep stats on this. He's been a champion. <laughs> um, I think the answer is as much as Jalen Ramsey makes sense is Stephon Diggs. You, you went out because you believed in your quarterback and you took a chance on a, a wide receiver that had been very disgruntled with his home in Minnesota. You trusted him, and he has turned out to be just an absolute superstar for you. So that's my answer. And, I mean, you really trusted in Josh Allen because Diggs, I, I feel like one of Diggs' best attributes is getting open deep, and Allen was right. not the most accurate passer going into this year, but he has totally stepped it up. He's he's really worked on his game, and and that combination – arguably has been the best in the entire league this year. It's been crazy. That is a very, very good answer. It's not the correct answer, however. I hate to break it to you. The correct answer, and it's obvious, but it's Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I said quarterbacks aside. That's cheating. And of course it's Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But I guess you could call, you could say Antonio Brown. Like and and Stephon Diggs is kind of cheating too because it's an extension of the quarterback, right? Um, but but I think in a weird way, Antonio Brown is kind of emblematic of Tom Brady because that was the full on because it was very obvious again to go back to Bruce Arians how much he didn't want to do that. It was very obvious at that point how all in the Bucks were on Tom Brady, and in a weird way, like to go back to the NBA, LeBron James really struggled, right, to like be a talent evaluator and surround himself with talent. And it finally worked out for him in Los Angeles. Awesome. Tom Brady has proven to be kind of incredible at this, like in year one away from the Patriots, which says a lot. That is true. He he has assembled the super team there. The Avengers have assembled in uh, Tampa Bay, if we're going to go back to our Marvel theme. I think then you know what I you did mention quarterbacks aside and I screwed that up. I apologize. I I think I might have to agree with you about Stephon Diggs because it's not like the Packers loaded up on anybody to help them in this moment. They they just flat out chose not to really acquire anybody to help them get over the hump. Uh, The Ravens, I don't really think of anybody there. I also and I hate to celebrate injuries, but I think a, a really critical thing to the Browns was Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury because it kind of locked them in on Jarvis Landry being their 
you know, their break dude, right? Like anytime they need something special and maybe you could even turn that into, and I know they were already really focused on the run at that time, but it really reinforced the idea that you have to rely on the run. And to that degree, I mean, you could honestly say that Kareem Hunt was, was the guy, right. That, that fits this answer because I mean, Nick Chubb is incredibly talented, maybe the best running back in the NFL from a talent perspective, but it's, it's super awesome that when he's not on the field, you have Kareem Hunt to spell him and that's the full-on identity of the Browns. It is crazy that the Browns are a team that has a backup at their most important position. And what I mean by that is like, okay, the Tennessee Titans are built around the run, right? And Derrick Henry's the man. But right. when Derrick Henry's not out there, they don't have anybody that can carry that torch. The fact that the Browns sort of recognized that, and oh, by the way, then added Kareem Hunt as a backup, a guy that has a rushing title in his career. No other team can say they're that secure at their most important position than Cleveland. And as long as they like lean into that, and I don't put it on Baker as much as as weird as that says, because we were just like complimenting him. But as long as they realize that their path to victory is still the run and the play action off the run, they're going to be fine. I also... And I know we're dancing around and and receiver is kind of a cheating answer here. We haven't really talked about the New Orleans Saints a lot. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is maybe that like this is and you certainly know how, you know, important Emmanuel Sanders can be to a Super Bowl run for a team. We have known forever. You can't you just said it right. Like there's no question that Michael Thomas is the most talented player on the Saints. All due respect to Alvin Kamara. And what was behind him? forever right I mean it was just Michael Thomas catching 6,000 balls every year and so finally it was okay we don't need like a super awesome wingman we just need like a standard wingman and that's who Emmanuel Sanders is and he's been that guy to Demarius Thomas he was kind of that guy to everybody I guess in San, or to George Kittle in San Francisco <laughs> and now he's that to Michael Thomas and that is a difference maker I think that that really changes their overall sort of offense from being completely predictable in just relying on Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Up until this year, I would have agreed with you, but I think their whole offense orbits around Kamara in New Orleans, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Whether running or receiving, I, they didn't have Michael Thomas for a huge chunk of this year, and they did fine. You know, I mean, it didn't hum like it usually does there, but. I think Kamara is really the guy that makes everything go. I think he makes life easier on Drew Brees by a thousand percent. Anytime Brees is in trouble, he can check it down to Kamara and still pick up like five, six yards. I just think that he makes that whole offense go. So I think he is actually more important than Michael Thomas. But I see your point with Emmanuel Sanders actually providing a little bit of depth there, which they haven't had at receiver. I have been inspired for one other question, Stats, and I love this episode that we've been doing, by the way. Um, It's our best, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Um, What is the departure that, and not every team had one, but that of the eight teams that we're talking about here on Divisional Weekend, um, that really allowed them to get to this point? And again, we're not trying to be jerks and celebrate like, ha-ha, they moved on from that dude, and look at how awesome they are now. I think there's one very obvious answer. I will say... Um, uh, we, we will exclude Earl Thomas from the Baltimore Ravens because that certainly was, I think, an important move to move on from him for the sake of their culture. But I think we can really agree on that. But outside of that, I do think there is a very obvious answer of the eight remaining teams. Do you have an obvious guess? Because if not, I can certainly bail you out. Yes, but that only allows with quarterbacks again because oh, mine does quarterbacks. It's Jameis Winston leaving the box. That's a great I mean, point. Yeah. 30 picks last year. You replace that with Tom Brady, who then throws 40 touchdown passes. It's obviously, if I get to include the quarterbacks, it's got to be Jameis getting the hell out of Tampa Bay. That's a great answer and a great point. Um, I don't think they would have done that had Tom Brady, of all people, not been available. Uh, Kind of a Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning situation there. Although, actually, that kind of works perfectly. But the answer, I think, is Todd Gurley. If the Rams had not moved on from Todd Gurley, I don't know that they're here. I I think that that allowed Sean McVay and his staff to be more flexible offensively, and it removed the pressures of having to feed the player that you handed this big-time contract to. And so I think that, you know, I'm not saying the Rams have an incredible amount of success on the ground. Shout out to Cam Akers, I guess. But that, that doesn't hold them back anymore, which is a big reason why they were able to beat the Seahawks last week. I am not generally an addition by subtraction kind of guy. I really like all the people that said that the Browns offense was better off with Odell Beckham Jr. out. I disagreed with that. They could still be good. 
I think they, the Browns offense, even now, would be better if Odell Beckham Jr. was there. It, losing a guy that's that talented, to me, cannot make you better. But in this specific case, I think it applies because Gurley was not producing. He was not as good physically as he had been in the past. So I think they, they upgraded with Cam Akers as opposed to what Todd Gurley has, has given you since he's left the Rams. Akers was huge last week, 176 yards for scr- from scrimmage for them. I mean, basically carried the offense while their quarterbacks, I mean, Wolford, poor guy, got hospitalized before the end of the game. And then Jared Goff, com- Jared Goff comes in with basically one arm tied behind his back and somehow finds a way to get it done. The Cam Akers contribution has been huge. And for some reason, McVay really didn't lean into him during the year all that much. I think now he's kind of seen like, hey, this guy might actually be pretty damn good. And we've seen with McVay, when he finds that running back he likes, he knows how to squeeze the juice from that orange. It is um, it is amazing. I, I think that that's, that's arguably the most important addition or subtraction on any of these teams, quarterback aside again, um, because it, it really did kind of just allow it, – it, it, it took some, you know, some stuff off of Sean McVay's plate, and we've seen the results so far. Sean McVay, by the way, is really quietly like if he gets to another Super Bowl, that'll be two Super Bowl appearances in four years. And in the meantime, he's also won a ton of games. This isn't like a Kyle Shanahan situation where he's had a lot of 10 loss seasons like McVay is one from the jump there. He's still 34 years old. I just turned 36 this week. He's two years younger than me, and he would have two Super Bowl appearances in four years. That would be incredible. Happy belated birthday to you, Stats, of course. Uh, we all wish you a happy birthday. Uh, we gathered around the socially distanced water cooler and whatnot. Um, yep. I just I just have to say, this is like, it is the rule when you cover the Dallas Cowboys that you have to make everything about the Dallas Cowboys. Sean McVay, right. we agree that he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He has lost two playoff games in his career. One of them to the greatest coach of all time in Bill Belichick. The other to new Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for you. I don't, I don't really know what you want me to say to that. I know you're jealous. I know. It's cool. You, Robert Sala's leaving the Niners. You you want Dan Quinn. It's fine. Everybody wants to be the Cowboys. I get it. No, actually, there was like a mini celebration on 49ers Twitter because Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn both got hired by other teams. And a lot of 49ers Twitter did not want them in San Francisco as DC. So thank you. I choose to not believe that that is true, but whatever. I, I heard you have other awesome question stats. What else do we have? Yes, you heard. Sources close to you say that there have been other questions. Uh, how about this one? Blank is the best coaching matchup of the weekend. Ooh. Um, well, I think the answer, I said that Sean McDermott had the most to gain. You said that John Harbaugh had the most to gain. I think that that's the answer from a head coaching perspective. I think you could also look at that from a coordinator perspective. I, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what Brian Dable is able to accomplish um, because so many people obviously believe he's going to be a head coach, and, and I think he is too. Um, I also think, you know, a sneaky matchup in terms of coordinators – Everybody is super high on Byron Leftwich, and I don't know that anybody's more high on him than Bruce Arians is. Byron Leftwich versus Dennis Allen, who is a fight in Texas Aggie, by the way. That's that's interesting. That that maybe isn't as sexy on paper, but that is interesting, um, and, and in a less obvious way, which I like. Yeah, I was actually going to go with Brian Dayball against Wink Martindale or the Ravens. Both of those guys are head coaching candidates. I was really impressed with the way the Ravens absolutely stonewalled Derrick Henry last week. He ran for 2.3 yards per carry. That's incredible. And, you know, he ran the Ravens over in their matchup earlier this season. So I was impressed by that. And Dable has been on fire. I think the Bills have averaged more than 40 points their last five games of the regular season. They were absolutely rolling. So to me, that was the battle. But but I like your point about, about Byron Leftwich because he d- hasn't gotten a lot of credit. And I think he deserves more credit than Bruce Arians, like we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And the Saints defense at times has been shown to be kind of scary. So that's not a bad pick by you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so this kind of falls in line with this uh, topic, this question, whatever you want to call it. Not necessarily a question, but more of a, a prediction that I'm actually demanding from you. Um, <laughs> what will be the I can't like. This past week, we spent a lot of time here on the network at SB Nation talking about Mike Tomlin, the coward, Mike Vrabel, the coward. I elevated Frank Reich's decision. I know that the Colts lost, but I think I thought he coached 
you know, I thought he coached with some stones and I respect that. Um, so what will be that this week? The, I can't believe whatever coach, whatever team, if you want to be a little bit wider with your umbrella, made this decision. I think there's a really low hanging fruit answer that I will gladly take, but I will feel kind of crummy about it if I'm being honest. Sometimes the low hanging fruit is the sweetest. And that's often the fruit that I end up picking. Um, I think it's obvious to me. I think it's Sean McVay, and I think he's going to pucker up and he's going to punt on fourth and short because that's what Sean McVay does. There is something in the water in the NFC West that causes every single coach to be uber conservative on fourth down. McVay does it. Pete Carroll did it five times last week. I actually went through RJ because this is like a thing that drives me nuts. There were 16 decisions on fourth down last week where the coaches screwed it up. They should have gone for it on fourth and short, and they didn't. 16, and that was being conservative. I left some off the list, too. (laughs) But I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be McVay. He's going to be super nervous because he's either going to have, looks like he's going to have Jared Goff, because Warford hasn't even practiced, I think, this week. So I think it's going to be Goff again. So he's going to be nervous about that. It's going to be fourth and one, fourth and short, and he's going to punt, and it's going to cost his team. So I have the low-hanging fruit answer, but I do agree with you. I There is something about, you know, the NFC West. And I, I think that when we want coaches to feel like they're playing with house money, like the Rams kind of are, right? Like, man, you beat the Seahawks and um, nobody really expected that with the John Wolford situation. And now you're playing the Mighty Packers. Like, they still tend to really tighten up, which is hard to explain. Um, I appreciate your analysis. The low-hanging fruit to me, I think that it's not Sean McVay, your boy, your favorite coach in the NFL, Sean Payton on like a critical fourth and two, fourth and three is going to run a cutesy Taysom Hill play <laughs> and, and it's not going to work. And, and then the conversation will be, you've got future hall of famer, Drew Brees playing perhaps his last game in the NFL and you take him, you know, and I always said the Taysom Hill thing was a gimmick and never worked, you know, so that's the low hanging fruit. My other actual answer is there is bad weather, right, expected in Green Bay and Buffalo, right? And by bad, I mean snow, super cold, whatever. There will be a decision that a coach makes with the weather factored in. Not quite like kicking in overtime like Bill Belichick did, but I mean like maybe a fourth and six or something that is normal field goal territory, but because of the snow and and it being hard to plant, they're going to decide to go for it. And that's going to be like a touchdown that really kind of ends up making the difference. And and we look back on it and say, man, thank God for the snow, because if not, they wouldn't have gone for it. I can see that happening because the thing that I think people don't realize with snow, it helps the offense. Snow helps make things easier for the offense. Those guys know where they're going. The defense doesn't know where they're going. It's harder to react and and make quick cuts and adjust and stuff in the snow, and you don't know what the hell's going on. The offense, they know what they're doing. So I think it favors offense. So I could easily see that be the case where we can't bring out the kicker, especially if it's like some of these kickers have been really struggling in the playoffs too. These coaches, you know, they're, they're very risk averse. The coaches are so risk averse. So I could see them saying, you know what? It might be a little windy. It's snowy. Ah, we, we can't trust the idiot kicker out there. Let's send the offense out one more time. Yeah. And then you get a touchdown. And then you end up actually looking like a genius when you were just kind of scared. With sometimes better lucky than good. So, you know, good luck to whoever that is. Yeah. By the way, thank you for giving Frank Reich some love. I, we got to get rid of this thing with announcers oh. where they act mystified when teams go for two and go for it on fourth down. Like, just stop it. They're going for it because it increases their chances of winning the game in regulation. That's the answer every time. I will add to that, too, that not every time somebody goes for it is like a super woke analytical moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's it doesn't have to be this like, man, he's been studying analytics. Like, no, he just like some of it is feel. And some and sometimes that works out and that's hard to study or analyze. And sometimes the feel bites you like Mike Tomlin last week. But yeah, Frank Reich, I, I still can't believe how people cannot understand why he went for it on fourth and goal at the end of the first half. And what what sucks stats is you get all the revisionist history because they lose by three. Like, wow, imagine if they had those three points that would be in overtime right now. Yeah. Guess what? Imagine if they had those seven points, they would have won the freaking game. That's why he went for it because he was on the road. He was against a really great offense in the Buffalo bills and he played to win. Let's build a statue to Frank, Wright. Take the one to Doug Peterson out of the link. <laughs> why not? We'll just build a statue of everybody. That's no longer with the team. 
No, it's and uh, Blankenship missed like a 33-yard field goal in the game too, which people just suddenly forgot about. Like, oh, if they had those points, they would have won. It's like, well, how about the kicker makes a field goal too? So like you can't isolate one decision like that and just every you know eliminate everything else that happened in the game. You've inspired me yet again, Stats. Um, who was the GOAT of the week and the, the bad GOAT? You know, because we have the good goat and the bad goat. Like uh, maybe, maybe Specs was the goat last week. Maybe it was Mike Tomlin. But who is your prediction for the guy that we are all sitting here like, God, dude? It, it, it does. It can be a different, you know, decision. And like you, you, you'll just hate it on Sean McVay. Big shocker, the Forty Nine er fan hates on Sean McVay. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe it's a player, a fumble, you know, an interception, a dropped interception. You know, like who's the guy that you can see that we're all sitting here saying, "Man, I can't believe he messed that up." Well, you mentioned Taysom Hill already, so I'm not going to pick him. Although I could easily <laughs> see that happening because it almost happened last week. The Saints did everything they could to lose that game last week, but the Bears just refused to win. But if I had to pick a guy, and you might not like this, and apparently everybody on this network's not going <laughs> to like it because they're all Bills fans now, but I think it might be Josh Allen. And here's why I say that. He has done an incredible job of elevating his game this year. Passing efficiency, passing accuracy, everything. But every once in a while, he still has that, that stupid gene in his body where he does a ridiculous thing that really could potentially cost his team. Last year in the playoffs, if you remember, we saw it on that lateral against the Texans. Do you remember that? He was running. He scrambled for a first down. And I don't know why, with like a minute and 13 seconds left in the game, he just tried to lateral the ball to his tight end. And the Houston Texans almost recovered it, but Dawson Knox, in a brilliant play, knocked the ball out of bounds intentionally to save possession for the Bills. But Josh Allen still has that kind of stupid gene in him where every once in a while he just makes a play like his brain is not working. He did it last week, too, in the playoff game where he took a huge sack and fumbled the ball and almost cost the Bills in that one, too. So even though he's been really great, he still has that potential for that one bad play. And that could be the reason he winds up as the GOAT. That would hurt my soul, um, if I'm being honest. So, wow, thanks for that. My answer stats, I have two, big shocker. Um, although I have one real and then one, I'm I'm not going to like actually say this, but I'm going to say it, and if it happens, I'm going to take credit for it. Um, my real one is Drew Brees, because it, there was a little bit of Drew Brees' is washed going on against the Bears on Nickelodeon. And I, I think the Saints have one of the best rosters in the NFL, and that elevated him. It's so rare that you see the roster elevate the quarterback, which is ironic that this happened against the Bears of all teams. Um, but I think that there might be like a duck moment, right? Like a like a he just can't make that throw anymore moment or something that that just kind of swings this game. I think the Bucks win this game if I haven't intimated that strongly enough. And I think that Drew Brees could be the thing holding the Saints back the most. My, you know, kind of just play it safe one is and this is a super, you know, low odd wild card kind of just throwing it out of nowhere, kind of like Drew Brees. Patrick Mahomes. Do you know the la- the day that Patrick Mahomes last played a game of significance? And I don't want to be the guy that's like, the the time off matters. But do you know the day, out of curiosity? Well, it has to be, what, at least three weeks ago. Probably later than that, right? It was December 27th. Do you know who that game came against when the Chiefs locked up the one seed? No, I can't remember. It was against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Patrick Mahomes, obviously... Oh, he almost threw the pick at the end of the game. Right. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is incredible. That game, and not that this is everything, was his second worst completion percentage of the season. Still 54, 55% if you want to round up. Not terrible by any means, but they were really struggling. And they were really kind of pulling teeth just to beat the crummy Atlanta Falcons. And it's been a long time, and maybe the time has, has gone a long way towards fixing everything, giving them rest, getting them healthy, whatever. But, I mean... We talked about it earlier that we joked about the spread. Like the Chiefs have not been this giant this year. I mean, they've they've gotten some lucky breaks and they've been themselves and they've needed to the most. But I think that that's you know I could I could kind of see based on the way this season has gone, Patrick Mahomes throwing just an unfortunately timed interception at the end that kind of leaves everybody saying, "Wait a minute." That's not how this story ends. He doesn't throw an interception to lose the game. That's not the Patrick Mahomes way. And then that serves as yet another reminder of how difficult it is to win multiple Super Bowls or even repeat as champions or whatever, because it is that difficult. I don't know if you heard, though. He has like a page of notes on the Browns (laughs) defense. So I don't think he's going to throw. No, 
Um, I totally agree with you. He has thrown a ton of passes this year that easily could have been intercepted, intercepted that haven't been picked off. And this could be the week where, for whatever reason, those balls get intercepted. Now, he's also so incredibly physically gifted that he could throw three picks and pull a Russell right. Wilson like he did against the Packers and still end up throwing the game-winning touchdown on a deep ball. But no, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Mahomes throws a crushing interception that costs the Chiefs the game. That would suck. I mean, it really would. Um, but sometimes the NFL, and I think you'll agree with the stats, you're you're almost safer betting on the most stupid possible thing to happen, right? <laughs> and and like it would be absolutely, utterly incredible if Baker Mayfield's Browns got the best of Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs. That would that would honestly be like the upset of the century in some ways. And, you know, it wouldn't literally be, but it would be amazing. And it, it would really remember like the people have been trying to make the Browns and will them into good for a long time. This would be like Nirvana for that. And it would be kind of cool, but I would love to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So I hope that that doesn't happen. I'm all done seeing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl for the rest <laughs> of my life. Let's get to the lightning round of picks quickly here. We'll start LA at Green Bay. Green Bay is favored by six and a half. I think the Packers win. I think the Packers cover. I think they have the easiest remaining path to the Super Bowl. It sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, the Rams played well last week. I don't think we're going to get a repeat performance of that this week. I think Rodgers is on another level. And even though Jalen Ramsey's going to have his, you know, lockdown Devontae Adams, I think Rodgers is going to find a way to get it done. I'll take Green Bay and I will give the points. Baltimore at Buffalo. The Bills are favored at home in the playoffs by two and a half. Not only favorite at home in the playoffs, favorite at home in the divisional round of the playoffs. Give the Bills some respect. And honestly, super pumped that we get to watch this game in primetime on Saturday night. Uh, maybe have a nightcap. It's kind of one of those, you know, moments of the weekend. I am so pumped to say that I believe the Bills get to the AFC title game and cover. But I think this is the game maybe of the year, honestly. I think this is going to be an awesome game. I... I have more confidence right now that Josh Allen is going to play well than I do that Lamar Jackson is going to play well. I think Baltimore is going to have success running the ball against the Bills, but I I still feel like Buffalo is just too hot. So I'm going to take Buffalo and I will give the two and a half points. First game on Sunday, Cleveland at the Chiefs. We were just kind of talking about it. The Chiefs are favored by 10 points. That's a lot of points, especially in a playoff game, RJ. Yeah, I think that that's a wild spread for a playoff game. I Again, I don't want to be the time guy, like I just said, but I'm very, very interested. The, the Chiefs are the team I'm most interested to see, just in terms of who they are coming out of the other end of all this. Um, they have not been great against the spread so far this season. I do believe that they win, but I don't believe they cover 10 points. And, and if they do, like I said, I, I will feel very, very different about them moving into the title game. But I've got the Browns to cover, Chiefs to win. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the Browns have the perfect offense to kind of hold Kansas City in check. Grind it out with the run game, move the chains with play action, run the play clock down every time. I think that's going to limit the ability of the Chiefs to go out there and just throw up like 40 or 45 points. So I agree. I think the Chiefs are going to win the game, but I'll take the Browns to cover. And that just leaves one more game, and it's the two oldest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. The Saints are home. They get the home field spread, so that is New Orleans minus three. I went back and forth with this one a lot, and I thought, you know, man, how can you pick against the Saints and all the playoff drama they've had? But, you know, so much of it is about the quarterback. So much of it is about everybody else. But looking at that specifically, I mean – for, for their age, I mean, being effectively the same age, they could not be playing like more different quarterbacks. It, it is, I mean, let me be the 8 millionth person to say that Tom Brady looks amazing for his age. Drew Brees does not. And and I, I, I lean quarterback, and I think the Buccaneers win, and I think that that's a really annoying storyline next week. Um, and I think that it sets up the, oh, my gosh, the Packers got blasted by the Bucs in the NFC title game. What happens at Lambeau Field? Blah, blah, blah. And it will be awful, but I think the Bucs win. And obviously cover. This is the difference between the two. If you're the Bucks, I think you're trying to put the game in the hands of Drew Brees. I think that's the sure. plan going in. I don't want the ball in Kamara's hands. I want the ball in Drew Brees' hands. I know he ain't going to throw it more than 20 yards down the field. Like, the Saints are not saying that. The Saints are not saying, we got to make sure Tom Brady throws the ball. And I'm sorry, I think the rosters are basically comparable, more or less. And so I hate to simplify it this much, but... 
I got to take Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm getting points and I get Tom Brady in the playoffs. Like, how could I pass that up? Also, stats, this gives us the Battle of the Bays in the NFC title game, which I'll be the first person to say that, obviously. And let me also be the first person to say, if this happens for the NFC championship, we get Aaron Rodgers against Indama Kong Su. The bitter rivals with a ticket to the Super Bowl on the line. It'd be amazing. We just went pick for pick. Same picks all the way around. How boring. That you know what? If it's going to be cold in Green Bay in that title game, we know Sue struggles to feel things under his foot in the cold. Remember when he stepped on Rodgers and said he couldn't, he didn't know it was him because his foot was numb. I and I promise you, if this happens, Aaron has a quote about this next week because, like we said, he's been feeling himself all season long, and, <laughs> and good for him. I hope he does it. He deserves to do it. I hope he has some like, yeah, you know, um. I don't think he can really step on me anymore. I've, I've got some moves. I've got some wheels, you know, whatever. And I think that it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm really rooting for this. And uh, the, what my last question, what game do you hope you're wrong about in terms of the winners? In terms of the winners, I hope I'm wrong about the Chiefs because I want to see you know, a world where we have the Browns fan base and the Bills fan base in the AFC title game because one long-suffering fan base is going to get a Super Bowl berth and the other is going to get a kick in the teeth. I completely agree with you. And I want my last words on this episode to be that Rob Stats Carrera was completely right. I can't think of a possible better ending than that. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We love your reviews. Please keep them coming, even if they're bad. I don't care. We'll still read it. We appreciate the feedback nonetheless. Enjoy the games, everybody. And we'll see you next week for Championship Week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.